In Jesus' name we have prayed. Let's just quickly declare that word of understanding. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. Our spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It's giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area. It's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I said amen. Amen. Can we open our Bibles before you sit down? Please open your Bibles. Book of Proverbs chapter 4. It's our school of prayer again today. And um, we are just going to lay some emphasis. We are done with looking at Psalm 119. I just want us to use something, this particular portion, just to emphasize what we learned actually in Psalm 119. Proverbs chapter 4, from verse 20. Let's read it together. We're going to read from verse uh, 20 to 23. Are you ready? I want to let's go. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and health to all the whole body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. He said, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my saints. Don't let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to all. My own Bible says like this, and health to all their whole body. Yeah, that's the American standard. The Red Prince liked it, but he said the English is very funny. <laughs> so, but the health sword, their whole body. Now, I just, let, let, greet somebody before you sit down. Just tell the person, welcome to Seat of Wisdom. Welcome to Wisdom. And the Lord will speak to you again today. Tell the person you are very wise. Tell the person you are very, very wise. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. Amen. We are going to pray. It's our school of prayer. I just want to remind us of some things that we have been saying for some time. And um, to, to emphasize the most important thing in Christianity, in prayer. Uh, we can ask God for many things, but the one that is most important is to ask him for understanding in his word. And that's what we did for a long time. And the reason why he, one of the reasons, not the reason, one of the reasons is that everything that he has prepared for us is in the word of God. And I want to just give everybody an assignment. Try and teach people these facts. Sometimes you hear Christians pray, all right, the way they pray, it's very, very, it makes you very unhappy. Now, what they don't realize is that God's, what God has prepared for us, all the solutions to our problems, everything we want in life is packaged in his word. Is not packaged anywhere else. It's not packaged anywhere else. The word, like one man said, is the, is every scripture is a molecule of power. I like that expression. It's every scripture is a molecule of power. Everything that God prepared for you is inside the word of God. It's not elsewhere. Healing is inside God's word. Your destiny is packaged in words. At the beginning, when God made everything and he wanted things to work, 
You know what he said? The Bible says he blessed them, saying, are you getting what I'm saying here? He didn't, you know, he didn't lay hands on them. He blessed them, doing what? Saying, be fruitful and multiply. It's a word. It's when, you, when he wants to bless something, he speaks to it. And what am I trying to say? All the blessing he has for us, the Bible says our blessing in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. Everything is packaged inside God's word. That's why we want to, we want to pay attention to something. We don't pay attention to methods. We pay attention to what? The word. You know, my wife was somewhere, they were talking about applying a program. And they were saying, look, ah, we have to, plan, we have to learn how to do this. Say no. We don't need that. What we need is to learn the word. Inside the word is how to do everything. Are you getting my point? I don't know. There's one, there's one that's flying around these days. It's on the social media. Now, you know, you get it in about three, five different places. Somebody was analyzing, you know, you know David Doe. How many of you know David Doe? How do you pronounce it? David Doe or David Doe? David Doe. How did you know? <laughs> you, you are, your apostle came with me. He's telling me it's David Doe. How do you know? Huh? I know you don't sing one of his songs. <laughs> don't mind him. He doesn't know any of his songs. Though. He's telling me it's David Doe. It's David Doe. The Lord is good. <laughs> now, because in, in the space of five days, three of his friends died. In the space of five days. One was on his fifth bed, birthday. That one died. Then a few days later, both of them, 25, died. They found them dead in a car, in, um, in a garage, you know, in Banana Island. Right, not in Ajegunle, in Banana Island. You know, the two young men were there, and the police thinks it's a case of um, drug abuse, all right? Uh, that is this last two. I don't know about the first one. So that has created a lot of uh, talk here and there. And I didn't even know that David's father is a very wealthy man. I found out only, was it yesterday, when I was reading one of those things that people sent around. And of course, the, the one boy now wrote a very, very long article on how to, like, um, plan for your children to ensure that explain the fact that uh, the children of rich people, they are turning out to be entertainers they are not trying to be business people and all of that and that he was trying to imply that the rich are getting it wrong with raising their children that a pauper gives birth to a son the son now becomes a prince because of hard labor and all of that. But what is happening is that after some time, the princes are now giving birth to children who are going to end up being paupers later because they do not learn the hard labor, the discipline, and all of those things of their father. Now, there's a problem. Of course, very long, everybody was, oh, this is nice, this is nice. Brethren like such things. Very nice. I just, in fact, one brother called me later. I said, thank you for your comment. Because I just, I just shifted my comment. I said, prince, pauper, serious-minded, or entertainer, whatever it is. I said, brethren, the only thing you can do is to teach your children righteousness and justice, make them love the word of God, make them fear God. Life is too complicated to plan anything. So forget, don't come and tell hey, my children are going to be paupers or princes. That's the problem between them and God. I have prayed for them. Are you getting my point? The job I have is to teach them righteousness and justice. Make sure they fear God. After that, I beg, life is too complicated. And one of the guys, that man who was writing, actually, that man says something. I don't know whether it's in my room, whoever wrote it. He said something that was very interesting, but I know most people will miss that particular point. He said that why don't the children of rich people, most of them, you know, strive like their father? He was trying to explain different reasons. Maybe they've been spoiled. But he added one reason that few people will notice. Just jump over it. He said maybe they have seen so much money, they know that it's not worth anything. Maybe to them, they have realized the vanity of life. I don't know whether you get that side of it. That maybe they've realized that, look, all this running up and down is vanity. Now, I'm going somewhere here. 
So when people are talking about, okay, how do you raise your children? How will you not raise your children? My one is that, I mean, I was not moved. I wasn't afraid that Akido would become a musician. <laughs> for me, the only thing that you can do for children is to make sure they respect God's word. Focus their eyes on the word of God. Their destiny is inside there. You can't plot anything for them. You can't. You can't plot anything for anybody. Every blessing, everything that God has prepared for us as children is in God's word. When we're teaching about, um, when I talked about lifting up the, the rod of God that time, I emphasized it. In fact, I, I was he, he listening when a pastor came to was leading us in prayer about um, revive me according to thy word. He would quote a scripture and say, Lord, revive me according to that word. He would quote another scripture and say, Lord, revive me according to that word. That, that's how you're supposed to pray as believers. Because every solution is inside the word. I hope you're getting my point here. You see, when God showed up to the people of Israel, later on when Moses was going to talk, he said, the day, his, the, day the Lord met with you on Mount Sinai, he said, did you see a form? They said, no. Did you see an image? No. What did you see? Nothing. That is the form of God. He said, Moses now said, but you heard words. I don't know whether you noticed that. He said, but you heard the voice. He said, but you heard the voice. They literally heard the voice of God. Now, when I read that, Something struck me. I said, what, what was Moses saying? So, no, before that, he had said to them, for that reason, you will not make an image. You will not bow down to a graven image. I mean, what, what, which, whose image are you making? Are you getting my point? You can't see him. So what, how, how do you know what he looks like? He said, but you heard words. You heard a voice. And that struck me. I said, what was he saying in effect? Bow down to what? Words. <laughs> I don't know whether you get the point. Yeah. Worship. The, the word of God. That's what he was saying in effect. He said, you can't worship an image. You didn't see an image. He said, but you heard his voice. Essentially, worship around God's word. When you want to pray, I'm breaking it down now. Pray around God's word. When you want to worship, worship around God's word. Whatever you want to serve, make sure it is the word of God you are serving. I'm emphasizing that there is nothing that God has prepared for us as outside there. Let's read this again. We've read it many times before. Numbers 21. Especially if you have an amplified Bible. Numbers 21. Again, let's go over that story. What happened in Numbers 21? The people had problems. Um, serpents were biting them. Now, we're not going to talk about how they got to that particular point. What I just want to bring out is how this problem of the serpent was solved. In Numbers 21, go down to verse, um, let's just read from verse um, well, from verse 4, just to get it in context. So then they set out from Mount Hor by the way of Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient because of the journey. And in verse 5, they spoke against God and Moses. What did they say? Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and water, and we load this miserable food. But the Lord, verse 6, and the Lord sent fairy serpents among the people. And they beat the people so that many people of Israel died. Then they came to Moses and said, We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you. We are not asking you to intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpent from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Notice this, God didn't remove the serpent. He said, verse 8, Make a fairy serpent and set it on a standard. And it shall come about that everyone who is beaten, when he looks at it, he shall live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the standard that is on a pole, like a flag. You know the way we put a flag up. And it came about that if a serpent beat any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, 
he lived. Now I want you to notice that. He looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. Now, I always like to read that in the Amplified Bible. That brings out the, the, the sense of what Moses was saying, what the Lord said through Moses clearly. Let me just read that quickly for us through in, in the Amplified Bible. Uh, verse 9. It said, And Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And if a serpent had beaten any man, when he looked at the serpent of bronze attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. Now, please, I want to read that again. He said, when Moses, he said Moses made a serpent of bronze and put on a pole. And if the serpent had beaten any man, when he looked at the serpent of bronze attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. How will a man live? Now, what do you mean by living? Let's just amplify it a bit. His physique, sickness is a, as an example, and he needs to be healed. To be healed is what he means by living. Okay, he's poor. Nothing has ever worked out for him in life. So he needs to have prosperity injected into his system. Then, I mean, that, that's, in that situation, the living is to have abundance. Abundance come to him. He has a disturbed home, all right, and he wants peace to come into that home. He has troubles in his mind. His mind is not settled. He has worries. He cannot sleep at night. How do I get these things to work? He said he will live in a particular way. The Bible says that the just shall acquire life by his faith. That faith, life comes into you as a result of faith. Now, that's what I'm trying to describe. Faith is not just I have agreed. Now, I want to digress. You know me, I'm a master of digression. There's always a digression in my life anytime I start preaching. Now, Remind me where I went into digression. Let me tell you where I am right now, so that in case I get lost. Why are they laughing? <laughs> where I am right now eh, is that I said we live, we acquire life from the word of God by faith. All right? And that we just read from Moses that said we look to the serpent attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze. And I use that one to connect with the fact, I wanted to talk briefly about living by faith. So I just now, this is not the digression. You say, what's digression? The di- Wait, now let me do my digression first before you start laughing. The digression is that I want to talk about faith briefly. What faith really is. What faith really is. And why people will tell you they are saved by faith and they may not be saved at all. I want to, die, dig- I want to just digress on that because apparently that is plenty outside. This issue of by faith I'm saved, what I do does not matter. And it's out there. It's out there. People cry with you all the time. Um, in fact, just because of the internet uh, connection where I am, I'll have posted a blog, all right, on that particular matter. Maybe that's why it's hot in my heart. I just finished writing it, talking about the fact that why James had to write the book of James, okay? Because people, you know, the, the other time I was on radio, people were calling to disagree with what I said. That I said, that I said faith, that uh, salvation is by works. You know, sometimes you wonder whether people sit on their, on their ears when they want to listen to you. Unplug their ears, put it down, sit on it. Then they hear, they just hear what you want to say, what they want to hear, not what you are saying. All right? Salvation is by faith. Amen? Yeah, yeah but the faith can be dead. So the question is that does faith that, that, that's dead save people? Let's answer it that one. Can it save somebody? And James said it. He said, oh, foolish man, can't you see that faith that is dead can help no one? Just by the way, we, we have to understand what faith means. Faith does not mean I agree. That's where I'm going. Faith doesn't mean I've heard it before. Faith doesn't mean that how many people want to give their lives to Christ? I put up my hand and I come forward and they lay hands on me and I've, I've said I have believed. That's not what faith means. There's a word that goes with faith all the time. That's what, that word is called patience. 
And there's a reason why it goes with faith all the time, but because faith is not just a sports thing. Faith starts on a spot, but it keeps on getting dragged along. That is, is, is something that's continuous. So you cannot claim that you have faith for salvation if the faith is not persistent. We need to explain that. So somebody said, I give my life to Christ. That means I'm saved. I'm a sinner. I continue walking in my sins. Say I'm saved. And somebody said, once saved, always saved. It is true that once saved can be saved for a very long time. Are you getting my point? But my question is not even whether he is is are you were you even, did you, did you even start the salvation at all? Did you even start the salvation? That's the question. Was the salvation ever commenced? So we'll start talking about grace soon. So let me not preach out the whole message now. Faith is not just I agree. That was what James. That's why that's why James said, the demons, if that's the case, they also believe. That's what James was saying. The, the fact that I agree that uh, God is so said, demons don't come. Are they doubting that Jesus died for sins? Do they, demons, do they doubt that Jesus came in the flesh? Do they doubt that he rose up on the third day? They have no doubt concerning all of these things. Are they saved? He said, eh, maybe they did not believe that he died for them. <laughs> Okay, maybe they didn't die for them. Okay, now you are beginning to agree, therefore, that there are some qualifications to this matter. And that's what James was saying. That, listen, you cannot just tell me that you agree that Jesus, say after me, that Jesus uh, coming to my heart, Jesus, okay, I agree you said it, but did you open the heart, or you just said it for the pastor to hear, then you close the heart. I listened to David Paulson once, and he said one young woman, he was, okay, he, he has a, let me not go into his own teachings, kind, kind of um, a bit plenty, or let me put it like that. Okay, but he said something once, which I like the story. He said once a young woman came to him and said she doesn't understand that she wants to, she's trying to live a Christian life. She's giving her life to Christ, but something just not working. So as if I'm not connecting with this Christianity thing. So he talked with the young woman, but as he was, as he was counseling with him, if you counsel the people, you have to do that. Right? He was just asking God, give me revelation concerning the situation. As he was doing that, Praying about it, suddenly he had an understanding about the situation. A thought came to his mind. So he asked the young woman, Depending the person you are living with, are you married to him? And she said, eh, No, that he said that uh, marriage is just a piece of paper. Okay, so the, the, the person said, No problem. That was before. To be a Christian, you don't live with a man you're not married to. Marriage is not a piece of paper. So if you want to continue living with him, you have to go and marry him. Otherwise, two of you have to be married. Or, simply, you have to leave that place. And the girl was like, but he loves me and I love him. Let me add my own words. I didn't come to your house to ask questions. You were the one that came to me to say, why is this Christianity thing not connecting in my life? What? <laughs> and now the Lord has revealed to me that the truth is this. You are not ready to make a choice for Christ. So just to her simply, well, sorry. That's the way it is. Now, this is what we try to teach sometimes. That as long as she has believed, it doesn't matter. Believe me, she has not believed. Why? Because James said, if that faith has no works, it is what? Dead. So her faith is dead. You agreed is not the question. We know you agree. You came forward is not the issue. We know you came forward. But now... Every time you claim you have faith, it demands a you know, choice. 
You have to do some. That's what the people say that you're, you're not saved by the works of the law. Who talked about the law? I'm talking about the work of faith. Faith has its works, law has its works. The works of the law is prescription by man. Even if it was Moses, that's the work, work of the law. You come to church five times a week, you pay a tithe of everything you get, you fast this number of days, you do all of this thing, you accomplish it, all we can do is promote you to deacon. You cannot be saved by it. Faith has its own works. When faith enters your heart, you will know its work that he's decided, asking you for. And please, don't go to hell for an ignorant pastor's sake who is telling you your life does not matter. He's lying. They're lying. They're all over town. They're lying. I don't want to mention it. There are churches that anytime you tell me you're a member of that church, I'm wondering whether you're going to hell or going to heaven. I'm not joking. No. I suppose you know what I'm talking about. Because every Sunday people get taught that your life doesn't matter. You are born again in your spirit. I'm here to tell you today, it matters. Why? That is the only way your faith talks. And if your faith cannot talk, it's dead. And that's what James was saying. If your faith cannot talk, your faith is dead. And don't tell me a man, a woman can be saved by a faith that is dead. Of course it's not possible. Dead faith and living faith, they look alike. Do you know if I take a piece of corn, a grain of corn, straight from the field, I put a few grains, five, ten of them in my hand. I take another set. One I put inside a glass case, all right, and heat it up to about 100 degrees and keep it for 20 minutes. In a sealed glass case, the corn gets very hot. Are you getting my point? But because I trap the moisture, it doesn't dry. It doesn't desiccate. And I cool it down again and bring it out. That one I heated for 200 degrees. Now, I didn't say 1,000. You know when they are roasting corn? That one is 500 degrees. But just the temperature of boiling water. All right? But I don't let the water get into it. I don't let the water get out. I seal it very well. When I cool it down, both of them, will they look alike? Will you be able to tell the difference? When both of them have cooled down. When the hot one has cooled down and the one has fresh. Now, you know the grain in your hand. You know it's alive. Normally. Yes. That corn, dry. The dry corn. I'm talking about the dry one, not the wet one. The one that's dried on the field. You know it's alive. But can you tell looking at it? The other one that I, I just heated up, I basically pasteurized it. Can you tell? Which time will you know which one is alive, which one is dead? Plant them first. On the surface, they both look alike. Many people's faith are like that. Dead. And the only way you can say faith is alive or is not is by the works it produces. Because real faith is not just I agree. Real faith is more than I agree, I accept. I put up my hand. And I said it's a digression, right? Maybe the thing, is, also, the thing is hot. You know, we're going to start teaching on grace very soon. We need to explain to Christians. Eh? Don't receive the grace of God for nothing. Don't confuse yourself as to whether you are saved or you are not. Don't let anybody lie to you and deceive you. I see all kinds of pastors in town. One day, one of my sisters, she went somewhere, went to go and see an important person. As she was about to enter, a voice came to her. She just heard a voice. You know, She looked, somebody there, and the person said, beware of the leprosy of Naaman. So she looked. Anybody there? Nobody. But it was clear, beware of the leprosy of Naaman. She entered this, a woman she went to see, entered this woman's office. Sat down, finished talking, finished talking, finished talking. Invited her for a program, they had this discussion. The woman asked her a few questions. Said, ah, let me help you. Brought out money, cash, 500,000 that I put on the table. So you can have it, helps you, it will help you towards the things you are doing. But before she entered, what was the last thing she heard? 
the way of the leprosy of what? Naaman. How did Naaman get leprosy? <laughs> Not the things where he collects. <laughs> so it was God letting her know, don't take that money. That's not the point. I'm, you see, that's my normal gist too. For you to know why a lot of Christians are just confused out there. Then she went to church. I'm just distant her pastor. Ah, see what happened though. How did the pastor say, what now happened? He didn't take the money. She said no. Why? I just heard a warning before I entered that it should be well of the leprosy of Naaman. He said, you should have told God to send me the leprosy. You should have brought me the money. <laughs> I, told, I told my sister, I said, that's not funny. I don't, I don't, I, don't even tell me he was joking. That's a stupid joke. You love money so much, you, that can be a joke to you. It's not funny. The person talking to a serious senior Christian, and told, look at the experience. I went to see someone, someone, person. As I was about to enter the office, I heard the voice of the Lord say this to me. And when I entered, I was offered money. It looked like it was clean money, but the Lord had warned me not to touch that kind of money. And then the pastor said, oh, you let that money go. You should have told God to send me the leprosy. You for collect the money. I will take the leprosy. And those are the very people that come and preach to you. That faith is in the heart. Salvation is by faith. Once you are believed, you are okay. Digression, I said. And I know where I was. Because I told you so much where I was when I was digressing. I couldn't forget it. I'm just going to explain something about faith. Faith is not just that I agree. No. It's not just that I accept it. It's a something about it, a character that is, is kind of difficult to explain, but it will manifest its reality by the demands that life puts on it. That's the thing about faith. Back to what we're reading, Numbers chapter 21. So we are saying every blessing is packaged inside God's word. Every blessing. How do we tap into it? It's by faith. The just shall receive, acquire, experience life by faith. He said, make a fairy serpent. Whoever will look at it attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, the person will live. And anybody who did that lived. And later on, John said to us, as Moses lifted up the salmon in the wilderness, so will the Son of Man be lifted up. So whosoever lives, believes in him, yes, will be saved. All we're saying, believing in him there, that John was talking about, that John was telling you, how did the people of Israel believe? It was not just by saying, I believe. It was by looking at the serpent. Are you getting my point? Yes. The definition of believing here was a persistent gaze at the serpent. Now, I need to explain that further. What does it mean to gaze at that serpent? A man came, assuming, I'm just trying to paint some pictures. He was bitten by the serpent. He looks like he's falling very sick and is about to die. And the wife said, says to him, we, are, we need to go and look at the serpent. And he said, look, don't disturb me. How can a serpent on the pole be the solution to my problem? But the family rushes him there and puts him there by face, by force. And puts his face on the serpent. Will he be healed? No. No expectation. You are getting the point? No expectation. Or, okay, so that's how you want it. He takes a glance at the serpent. Takes his eyes away. Will he, will he be healed? No. Let me summarize it. For the man to be healed, he has to look until he's healed. Not take a glance and go away. The man has to look until he's, he's healed. That is, he will demonstrate his faith in that serpent on the standard. If 
he is going to heal, be healed. And how is he going to do that? It's by the persistent focus on that serpent. And that's how Jesus is lifted up. And that's how the word of God must be lifted up in our lives. That's how our solution is. Solution to prosperity is not a visa to America. You know, sometimes I wonder, Banky, are you not a broken down record? A broken record. You keep on saying the same thing again and again. But I realize that you have to keep saying it. Because people often forget. Solution to prosperity is not relocation. That if you want to solve prosperity issues, it's not I get up and go from here, I go to Abuja, that's where money is. Prosperity, breakthrough, progress, success in life is a spiritual question. It's a spiritual question. It's something that, look, a lot can go to Sodom and Gomorrah because the plains there, they look well watered, like the garden of the Lord. Abraham went to the opposite. Abraham is the one that still prospered ultimately, not Lot. Lot got temporary prosperity. They got permanent poverty. That's a matter of fact. Prosperity is inside your soul first. It must manifest. That is, It starts from inside, not from outside. You cannot solve a spiritual problem by physical manipulation. It doesn't work like that. Do you get my point? No, you can't solve a spiritual problem by making geographical rearrangement. It does not work. Our problems, our physical problems start from the spirit. So we solve it first of all from the realm of the spirit, not from outside. What is the solution to the poverty prosperity problem for a believer is the word of God. Another digression. The solution to prosperity is not seed sowing. Did you hear what I said? I will say it's flat. You cannot give yourself out of poverty unless you stingilize your life into it in the first place. Is that English all right? At least we have manufactured the English. If it was not there before, you get my point. If stinginess did not send you into poverty, generous giving will not take you out of it. And I, I can see, I mean, you were born poor, so is it, who was, who, who said that this one should be born blind? So let's forget that thing. Say, Pastor Bank, are you saying that seed and harvest does not exist? Did I say so? Why do people like to read me out of context? What I said is that the way by which you prosper is not by giving and giving to you prosper. That is not the way. I don't have all the time to explain it, but I will just say it. Now, for many of you, I'm answering your questions because you have given, you are tired of giving. Nothing don't happen. Should I tell you the truth? Keep on giving. Nothing will happen. Apostle okay Kimothy. Let's digress inside the digression again. <laughs> I did not say Christians should not give. I don't know why Christians like to read you upside down. I've noticed something about people who have given and given and have given to come out of poverty. When it doesn't work, they become very wicked. I didn't say stingy. I said what? Wicked. You will see, they will see a serious cause going on like this. Say, brethren, we are raising money, we are raising 500,000 to be able to reach the poor and the orphans and the widows in this area. They are not going to give. Why? That's why I gave six years ago. They say, I will see, if I do something dangerous, <laughs> I will see something serious. I have done everything dangerously. I have not seen anything serious till today. I get those meals all the time. We always get the meals. 
It's supposed to give me this job to be talking to people who have sown seeds and they have not seen any harvest. And it's not, it's only not to tell you harvest is coming. It's to let you that boy, nothing is coming. <laughs> After bought the time, I said, nothing will come. Don't worry yourself. So I gave dangerously last year. That's the end of it. The, thing, the danger has been quenched. Thank God. You are still alive. We thank God for your life. The, no, nothing will happen. You know why nothing will happen? Nothing was supposed to happen. Apostle, I'm enjoying myself. I like this preaching and preaching. This, when you say things like this, half of your congregation are confused. I like it. And they are waiting for you to explain. That's why I'm slowing down. So that they wait for a long time. <laughs> Listen, God cannot bless wicked people who are giving wickedly. You said, check out. If you were God, will you bless them? They are called lovers of self. Will you pour abundance into the lives of lovers of self? Think about it. You wouldn't do that. So if I give money so I can get plenty back, am I loving God or loving myself? It's common sense. Anybody can work that out. Let's say it again clearly. It is not by giving money you will break, get yourself out of poverty. It's not. I'm back on that my digression side of digression. I am not saying stop giving money. That is so. I never said that. I'm just saying that you cannot be doing that and creating more problems for yourself. Because every time you give, God is kind of displeased with you. When you give an offering, the Lord asks the angels, what is he looking for? He says, looking for a car. So that, that offering is what? He said, we're just quoting for you, Lord, we're not on his side. He said, it is a seat for his car. And he looks at Gabriel and goes, so what are we going to do for him? He says, send him Banky to go and tell him to wake up and stop making a fool of himself and do so what's in heaven. That if he needed a car, does he not know how to ask? Tell him, can't he be kind? Can't he give to somebody if he doesn't have anything to gain out of it? He said, but he said that if you sow, you will reap. He said, you should have read what Jeremiah said, that I, the Lord, I search the heart first. He said, tell him that I check his heart. I don't just respond to his seed. I check why he's sowing the seed. And when he's sowing the seed like that, he's telling me that, like the person will say, I don't care about my children. They can't ask me for something simply the way a father will be asked by his children. And he will respond, me, I have to be bribed. They say it's a principle. They say, do I look like a principle? I look like a father. Back to the issue. The way out of poverty is in where? The word of God. Not looking for principles to use. We are looking for what he said to believe and believe in truth. I like to say this thing straight because Christians are too confused. And listen, people say, that, listen, I, you, you may, you, you've heard a few testimonies. I have heard too many complaints. I've heard too many complaints. I still read a mail a few days ago. Somebody explained that, um, I mean, we're getting a, a, a reply off to the person that uh, they said if I sow a dangerous seed, I will marry before January. So six months have passed after that January. Nothing don't happen. What am I doing wrong? I felt like telling the person, no, the seed is wrong. 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 You don't sow a seed to get the husband. 
So how do I do? I ask the Lord simply, Lord, I don't like to be single again. Connect me with a good man that you chose for me. And ask him in the name of Jesus and leave it there. And then go ahead, live a normal life of righteousness and justice. And then God will do what he has promised he will do. Once you put a seed, let me tell you the truth, you have removed from your faith. Because you have shifted your eyes. Remember, what are we looking at? The serpent on the standard. Once we take our eyes away, trouble. We have to look at him persistently, attentively, with a steady and absorbing gaze. We cannot afford to look at our seed for a second. If we have to look at the seed, he said the seed is what? The word of God. Only the word of God is the true seed. So people said, plant your seed. I agree with them 100%. It's just that what is the seed? The seed is not your money. The seed is the word of God. Please, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm trying to deliver people. I'm trying to deliver people. Shouldn't Christians give? Christians, please, you must give. God loves a cheerful giver. Are you getting my point? I am just saying that he has not how to get things out of him. That's not how. Giving for us is what? A habit. It's a habit. It's a habit because of who we are. You know, the last time that we raised some money here for all of, many of you know what I'm talking about. There was a mission project we wanted to support. We're not the one doing it. We just feel like supporting. Alright? What I didn't tell you was that our target was one million naira. You know, we just made the announcement. Just come and give. Alright? Now, if you remember how I made the announcement, I said, I'm not promising you anything. Will your money be multiplied? None of my business. You should encourage people that their money will be multiplied. I don't like to teach wicked people who don't give, except they are promising them something. So I said, you heard me here. Three announcements we made, three days. There is an important mission project that is going on. That's how we give. We know that our giving is important for somebody else, not for us. Someone will not tell me that somebody is going to give you a millionaire tomorrow. I don't want your millionaire. If I wanted it, I'd go and ask the Lord for it. And I do ask the Lord for money. And when I want to ask the Lord for money, you know what I do? I have a few scriptures. You said, you will cause prosperity to flow towards me like a river. And the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. You will make all grace abound towards me. I will have all sufficiency in all things. I will abound to every good work. Those are the kind of scriptures I quote. And I I receive it in the name of Jesus. I have never, by accident, mistakenly, said to the Lord, you know I gave towards this project. When are you multiplying it? If I do that, he might kill me. And I love my wife. I don't want to hand over to another man. That alone is the reason why I have to live long. I kind of rubbish that Christians practice a lot of times. This rubbish give of investment giving is wickedness. It's wickedness. You are an evil soul. If you were God, will you bless you? He wouldn't bless you now. You are too wicked. Nothing goes for nothing. Scratch my back and scratch your back. You carry it to God again. So, you know, if I pay my tithe, you will rebuild the devourer. God said, Do I look like a mafia done? Pay me protection money. Said, Don't let accuse you. Say, Money not complete. How come I'm still having problems? I give you all the money. Didn't they give it to you? (laughs) 
That's not our God. Our God is our Father, who art in heaven, whose name is hallowed. I'm warning you. God's anger, eh? it don't, it don't, it's almost starting. This insult that we all conspire to insult him every day. He doesn't do anything until you do something for him. If my son says that, I'm going to ask my wife, how did I give him that impression? I know that he never does anything until he does something for him. So why, why are you washing his car? I need to ask him, you know, school fees time is coming. So boys, let's wash daddy's car. Wake up every morning, correct daddy, ultimate daddy. No daddy but you. I say, yeah, 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 guys, guys. I say, can you say I've been washing your car this morning? It's shining. Benga said, I washed the inside. Hallelujah. I washed the inside. So when I come and say that I was the one that removed all the dirt, all the ground, everything inside. I said, all right, hey, but we have something we want to ask you. What is it? Our school fees coming up next week. Now I want to ask my wife, where is the hidden camera? You people are doing a home movie. You, you, no, there has to be a movie going on. Where are the hidden cameras? But you know, it doesn't cross their mind that they should behave like that. They just come and say, our school said we should pay this amount of money. We told mom, he said she go and tell you. <laughs> Simple. The school sent us, not us. Is it me? No. The school. They just drop. They just drop. The other day I saw my wife holding list. I said, what is that? He said, for so and so person's school. There's no place, man. Can I have this money paid? No. This is what the school said. You said to. Go and discuss with your husband. Maybe two of them will be God. But we'll now come and downgrade that God when it comes to the real Heavenly Father. And say that nothing comes out of him. 